many days we traveled from a distant place and time to reach a place they call the planet Earth. There was to be a celebration on the mission of the sacred heart. The planet Earth from way up there is beautiful and blue and floating softly through a rainbow. But when you touch down, things look different here. And the mission of the sacred heart.
discovered the ability to travel through sound. We learned that the fundamental stuff of the universe was sound vibration. This was when we discovered the sonic landscapes. We learned that songs and sounds collected together pulled by the gravitational forces of theme, meaning, and vibration. Today, we invite you to explore with us as we travel the sonic tapestries and enter the soundscape.
Hey, hey, well, welcome to Soundscape. I'm sorry, whoops. No. I really thought there was another song coming. I don't know why I thought that. Uh, <laughs> hi, my name is Woody Harris. And I'm Susie Harris. And this is Soundscape. And in this week's Soundscape, we are going to look at the best music of 1976 and 1986. Part of our, our moving up towards 2016 when we do our 2016 special show for um, the best music of 2016. My original idea was I was going to do four sets, 76, 86, 96, 2006. Sounded like a great idea. Sure. But the fact is that prog songs are very long, usually. Mm, yeah. The second fact is you really cannot encapsulate a year into an hour. No. It's not really fair to that year, you know, as if years had feelings. I know. Um, but it's not fair to us to say, you know, okay, here's the best two songs of 1976. It's kind of a pointless journey then. I'm going to say, you're going to get a lot of emails from people going, what, what about this? What about this? What exactly. about this? What about this? And, and you'll, yeah. you're still going to do that, yeah. unfortunately. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not going to rate these albums. No rating. Because, I mean, I might say what some of my favorites are, but I'm not going to rate them in the sense of like saying, this is the best of 76 and this is the worst of 76. So what you're going to get today is going to be 1976 and 1986 with our traditional opening and ending with newer music. So you can kind of get the feel of what's new because I don't want to leave that behind. And I know how easy it is to do when we're doing these these long themes. like Retrospectives and all that kind of stuff. So this will be a longer show than normal, but I'm sure that's not going to bother any of you. Um, It just means more music for you. And it's going to be really exciting because even though... (laughs) Um, a vast majority of the show is 1976. Some of this music I didn't know prior to this show, including the last song, which is really crazy because I never paid it's attention. A song. I know I never paid attention to Sticks' Crystal Ball album. Wow! I just, I mean, I knew the the song Crystal Ball, but I never paid attention to the rest of it. Okay. So and, I don't and, expect that from you, so that's why I'm I know laugh. because Sticks <laughs> is really one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming up in the 80s, but the fact was that I hadn't really. Like, I, I think one of the first real big rock albums I bought was Paradise Theater. 
nevertheless, um, when I listened to this one, I knew that I had to feature it somewhere in the show because this is a 1976 song or album from Styx. And it's really a pretty good album, regardless of what Prague Archives says about it, which I think they give it like a 2.7 or something like that. No, no, no. This is this is a really good album. I really like it. Uh, we opened there with ELO, Electrified Orchestra, and uh, Mission, a world record. This comes from the 1976 album, A New World Record, hmm. which for most people, at least in the pop area of rock, that was what really put them on the map. I mean, they've been doing okay, Strange Magic and that kind of thing. But this one had Telephone Line and Living Thing and, um, oh, what was the other? So Fine. There's even one more that was big. Oh, Rock Aria and Do Ya. So, so many great songs from this album. And so I knew I needed to throw one of those up there because... ELO is one of my favorite bands, regardless of whether or not they're prog or not. And I feel like Mission, a world record, has kind of a prog feel to it, at least in theme, if not in like style. I don't know. You you can decide that. But so we opened with that, and then we had Sticks Put Me On, which is the opening track from Crystal Ball. And believe it or not, you're actually going to hear one more from Sticks later on in the show. Because that's just how I roll. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm, I'm really excited about the show. I, I could not pare it down to our regular four-hour show. So. That's why you get an extra hour. Exactly. Awa. Awa. Um, so Susie's going to tell us about this first song that, that's coming up here. This is uh, new music from a band called Preacher, a uh, band that came out in 2016. I just discovered them uh, very recently. And... Of course, Mark and Raina of Music and Widescreen and the station owners, the big gurus in the sky, have said that it was the best album of the year, so I had to hear it. Uh, and Susie's going to tell you more about Preacher is the band. Preacher. Preacher. Well, Preacher is uh, a Scottish band. Uh-huh. 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 Hooray for Scott. Scotland. Um, and so it is, a, it's, a, I don't know how you put it, not power pot. Or prog. Because it, it, it has like three guitarists. Really. I mean, it's really... There's three guitars. It feels that... It, it almost feels like that same kind of um, formula that came out in the 80s for prog, which is not always great, but this is this is fantastic. Yeah, so there's three guitarists. You have a rhythm guitarist, a lead guitarist, and an acoustic guitarist. So Martin Mur- Murphy on vocals and rhythm guitar, Arnold Burgoyne on keyboards, Greg Murphy on lead guitar, Gordon Monroe on bass, Ian Duncan on drums, Ron Roger on acoustic guitar, and then Angela Bell and Carrie McWinnie on backing vocals. So it's a nice big band. Um, yeah. And everything I've read about them basically says, do you like Pink Floyd? Well, awesome. You'll love these people. If not, don't. Move on. Just just go. <laughs> so they're very, very floydy, According to all of the reviews, that I I've saw been some of the reminiscences, some of the and resemblances. It, but yeah, and they they say it's like a combination of Floyd and Bowie. Yeah, I can hear the Bowie too. Yeah. Um, you know, you you guys will have to make the decision for yourself, but I, I think it's a fantastic album. Also, so, just so it's not weird. Uh, the reason we said oh Scotland, yeah, we're going <laughs> to that you have no context <laughs> for why we said that. <laughs> that. <laughs> we're going to Scotland, so we're really excited right yes. now about. So anything that Scotland. that that. Is about Scotland. We get all excited. Woo, right Scotland. Woo. So, um, so aftermath is the album that that the song that we're gonna. 
Play comes from. And this is their second album. Their first album is called Signal. Oh, Signals. I'm going to have to find that and check it out. Signals, I believe, is their first album. Not to be confused with the Rush album. Signals. I know. That's why I was thinking. I'm like, really? So that's why I was thinking maybe they're a Rush kind of Rushy band. But no, Signals is their first album. And the Preacher, the Aftermath is their second one. So, um, and they have really kind of taken off in terms of they they've they've done a ton of touring like that's their focus is just getting out there and getting their music out there in Europe so they have done a crap ton of touring and yeah it it's it's pretty major in terms of they're really starting to get the ball rolling on getting their name out there and I think they're going to be a bigger band than Pog that's the way it feels from all the reviews I've been reading and from 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 what they've been talking about on their um, Facebook page so definitely keep an eye out for these guys because they're going to and surprise everybody in terms of how big they get. Um, but I think you just need to hear it, but all the reviews that I've read and everything just talks about Lloyd mixed with Bowie. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, the interesting it. thing is that I was listening to Mark and Raina's, um, like, uh, award show for 2016, which is a fantastic little show. It took about, it's about a six hour show, so it's taken me some time to get through it. Um, but, Mark said, maybe I don't like Prague because he played this band. And he said that because no one else had recognized who this band was at the time. Right. Um, I think they're just kind of a slow grower or something that took some time for people to recognize. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of work on their part, to, like I said, to, to just tour constantly and get out there in front of people. Um, they, what else did Shoot. Maybe mention the website? Yes. Do they have a website? They do have a website and a Facebook page. So their website is preacherrock.co.uk. The preacher is their name, preacherrock.co.uk. And their Facebook page is, wait, I had it. Hang on. There it is. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash preacher band. All right. So we're going to give it to you here. This is vinyl from Preacher's newest album, Aftermath. And we'll see you on the other side of this newer set before we get into our 76 retrospective. Cheers.
Take it, shake the 
Set of new music there for you here on Soundscape. We started the set there with Preacher and Vinyl, and everything's dinging. Uh, Preacher and Vinyl, and then uh, after that we did Kepler 10, The Stone, and the Mute God's Tardigrades will inherit the Earth. So we told you a little bit about Preacher, now we're going to tell you a little bit about Kepler 10. Kepler 10 started as a 
Rush Tribute Band. As you can hear very clearly from the Getty-like bass going on in the stone here, um, that was that was their thing. And there are actually three members of the band. You have James Durand, who's doing vocals, bass, keyboards, and bass, pedals. Well, vocals, bass, keyboards. Sounds like Getty to me. Richie Cahill does guitar and bass pedals, and Steve Hales does drums, percussion, and keyboards himself. So kind of a Rush tribute band becomes Rush, sort of. Felt a little bit like that. You can check them out at Kepler10.com, um, where you can find out information about their upcoming shows. Apparently, they're opening for the Talking Heads on April 29th. Nice. That's crazy. Uh, so lots of uh, lots of good stuff there. Go and check it out. Let them know that you listen to it here on Soundscape. And the Mute Gods. Mute Gods. So the Mute Gods are a, um, I guess it's kind of a power, power trio in a way. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it is, really, it is Nick Begg's band. Nick Begg's, of course, being bassist extraordinaire from Kajagoogoo. Um, and also Steve Wilson and Steve Hackett. Nick is everywhere. Yeah, he is. He's played for Joe Satriani. He's played everywhere. It's great. So he, he basically was talking to, to some people and they were saying, Hey, you know what? You've played and supported with all these amazing musicians, but you haven't done any kind of work for yourself, like done your own music. And when is that going to happen? And you really should start doing something about that. So he said, okay, well, so while he was touring with both Steve Hackett and with Steve, Steve Wilson, he started writing all of this music. Just He said he was sitting in like backstage or in buses and hotel rooms, and he just started writing all this music. So he had met Roger King, who um, is another guitarist. He's a session musician, basically. But he had met him when he was working with Steve Hackett. Um, and really felt that they clicked and that Roger King kind of had the strengths where his weaknesses were. And he asked him to be his collaborator on the album and be the producer and also, you know, play with him. And he said, okay. And then of course he worked, Nick Beggs worked with Mark Miniman with Steve Wilson. So he asked him to be the drummer for the band. And then also Mark Miniman is also a guitarist. So he's contributing guitars to this as well. So it's this little trio of people that, that just kind of worked with each other for the last several years. Um, but it's, it's pretty much Nick Beggs' music with these guys supporting him. Um, so the name Mute Gods comes from, um, hang on, I have to go back to this. It was really interesting the way he put it. It's very much a political band in a way, I would say. Um, there we go. No, there's too many places on their website. <laughs> their website, by the way, is themutegods.com. So easy enough to to um, find them. And this is their second album. Um, their first album was called Don't Listen to Their Lies. So they basically, Mute Gods comes from the idea that there's all these people out there in the world screaming at the top of their lungs about what God has said, this and that and the other, and what, what God's opinion on things is. And um, basically, is, who gave you permission? How did God give you permission to this? And what about the mute gods who don't say anything but really have, you know, the, the, the things of the world that need to be talked about, but that don't have what he calls 
dubious PR men. We need to talk about one of those gods are mute right now. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of his way of saying, I think his way of saying, well, what about let's give a voice to these mute gods and talk about the things that they want to talk about. I like kind it. Of the idea. So like that's it. where the name of the band came from. So it's very much a, a comment from Nick on the state of the world and all the things that are screwed up in this world. And he, he wants people to take off their rose colored glasses and take a look at the reality of the world that we live in. I can't so. see without my rose colored glasses. <laughs> so apparently the first album, Don't Listen to Their Lies, was very much about that. It, he actually had a song called Jesus Thinks You're a Fuckwit, which <laughs> I thought, oh, I like that idea. I don't know if it's actually on the album. He wanted to put it on the album and he was getting some, some pushback some from pushback, the label. I would bet. Yeah. So I don't know if it's actually on the, the first, but that's what he wanted to do. But anyway, so that was a more melodic and apparently this new album um, <laughs> is um, a bit angrier, a bit darker, a bit more in your face and, and crunchy. What they've said. Yeah. And, and well, tardigrades will inherit the earth, which is, yeah. looks like that's what's going to happen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we are going to die out as a species. Tardigrades are going to be the ones who are going to actually make colonization happen. Yeah. So this album is actually being released on the 27th of February. It's not out yet, but... Um, the out the single we can't carry on was released on the 13th. So okay, so there you go. Yeah, a set of new music before we get into. We're going to go back 40 years now, 41 years actually, because it's 2017 now. 41 years. That, that's crazy to me. Yeah, that we're going back 41 years, and uh, you were only three. <laughs> yes, I was three years old at the time, and. You're not I living in the U.S. was nine. Really? I was nine and you were three? Mm-hmm. No, I was... If, if we're talking about right now, then I was eight. You were eight. You hadn't turned nine yet. I hadn't turned nine yet. Um, but I didn't know these bands at the time. I didn't know a lot of this stuff in 76. In fact, I discovered a lot of 76 music probably in the 80s when I heard it on classic rock radio. Uh, but we're going to play a few sets of music from 1976 to kind of give us a feel for what 1976 was like in music. Let me tell you, 76 was a winner. I mean a winner. Um, when I look at the, the difference in 76 and 86, what a difference that is. 76 was just full of great music and 86 was just barely there. <laughs> Different style of music for the 80s because Frog uh, went its own direction. And we'll get to that when we talk about uh, the 1986 stuff. But, um, yeah, we're just going to get into some 1976 music and we're going to start with Gentle Giant. Now, this is a band I have not paid much attention to at all. I feel like they just fall outside my wheelhouse. They don't connect with my kind of mentality about music, whatever it is. I've never really connected them with them, but I felt like it was really important because this was one of the big albums of 1976 to play Interview. Now, Interview is an interesting album because it's a concept album based on interviewing, and it includes pieces of interview interviews in the music that were done specifically for the album, and, and kind of a, a maybe kind of a critical look at the record industry at the time. And of course, the record industry didn't really love the album, but I don't know that the that Gentle Giant has ever really had an album that the record industry loved. I think it's been more of like very hardcore prog fans have liked them. Nevertheless, we're going to play the opening track, which is called Interview. Go figure. 
And uh, that'll start our first set of music from 1976. So check it out. Here's Gentle Giant and Interview. And uh, I'm using the wrong mouse. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. 
Det lever tills den dör Träden är 
Maskinindustrien tar kroppar och blod Psykiskt pressade drunknar i status Och det lena stannet är god Prykunden sprids som ersättning för livet Fabrikerna hostar och slamrar och slår Kortsikt politiker sitter vid ratten Tekniken kan och förmår Men världen är förundelig Fattig mot rika Enskilt mot allmänt Och flika mot flika Lass livet skinna visst värre än solen Med kan och krims, krams och hyta och mask Skriver och varientar barn av symptomet Men tillväxttakten är rast Förgiftade människor och sotipsmiljö Halsmassan ändras som allting på jorden Vår välfärdskaka bär frö Men världen är förunderlig Fattig mot rika Enskilt mot allmänt
as the band fades off into the distance. That is, I am going to murder this name. And oh, I yeah, apologize. you are. Fretio Ariga Criget with their song Krigsang 2. This is a Swedish band formed in the 19, formed in 1970, pretty much. Um, the name itself means 30 years war, which the members felt like that was a perfect explanation for the kind of music they wanted to make. Not really sure what that means. Okay. Um, this album and particularly that track was from 1976's Kridsong. I believe I've said that correctly. Um, and we heard the, the major track on there, which is Creek Song 2. Um, this was their, probably their masterpiece album, as far as most people who have listened to their music will agree. It seems to have a pretty strong, it had a pretty strong effect on Swedish music. And I, it was, it was a discovery for me for 1976, and I had to put it in here, even though it was quite a long track. That was 17 minutes worth of music. But I was just hooked by it the moment I heard it. Uh, and I thought you guys might be too. So you can check them out. They actually are still doing their thing um, here in 2017. Um, in March 2016, they released their first English language album, which was Seaside Air, um, released to overwhelming reviews. And we'll have to get back to that since uh, that's something I've missed completely. One of those things happens, you know, you miss those wonderful. Those wonderful things from 1976 that, that, or from 2016 that fall off the radar. That's the problem with watching like Prague Archives Top 100. If it doesn't make the Top 100, it doesn't always catch my attention. So I need to make sure we, we have a listen to that in the near future. Anyway, you can check them out. Their website is uh, com. That is spelled T-R-E-T-T-I-O-A-R-I-G-A-K. R-I-G-E-T dot com. <laughs> what do you think? It was interesting. Yeah? You're not no. caught by it like I am? No. Oh, well. It's just not... Uh, it's know. that surf guitar thing there in the middle that just made me go, oh, I have to play that for everybody. Sorry. I, I guess uh, my tastes are not always the same as everybody else's. Well... It's, that was clear the moment Soundscape launched. Well, it, it, you know, we've had this discussion about me and my taste being much different than yours. So, yeah, not m- much sounds like more than it is. It's not much. There's, there's there are spaces where we don't cross over. Certainly. Yes. Anyway, that's our first set of 1976 music. Now we'll get into our second set of 1976 music. We're going to start with a band called Bebop Deluxe. Another discovery for me as I perused 1976 and tried to put this the show together. So what you got for us about Bebop Deluxe? Uh, so this is a... Started out as an art rock, glam rock kind of band. Kind of inspired by Bowie. But uh, it, it was started by Bill Nelson. He's the, the founder of, of Bebop Deluxe. Oh... I didn't know that because uh, Bill has a new album out for yep. 2016, also yes. maybe 2017. I'm not sure. So Bebop Deluxe actually only lasted from 72 to 78, and it became too mainstream, I guess, too accepted by 
the popular culture for Bill Nelson, and he decided that it needed to end, and he needed to. Go I don't off. want popularity. Yes, Let me no, burn it down. Seriously, that that was part of it. He just did not like the idea of of pop of being a part of pop culture and wanted to okay his All stuff right. to be more underground and more. Well, high. it is. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So anyway, so it was started in seventy uh, two was when they actually um, started up Bebop Deluxe. The first, the founding lineup was Nelson, um, and then guitarist Ian Parkin, bassist and vocalist Robert Bryan, drummer Nicholas Chatterton Dew, and keyboardist Richard Brown. Um, and it was kind of a little bit like Yes in terms of it's a, it's a rotating lineup of people who just kept coming and going and coming and going. So throughout the entire lineup, in fact, he actually dissolved the band at one point and started it up again with a whole bunch of new people. <laughs> so. It's a very interesting band. So they started out with the, like I said, with the art rock, glam rock kind of thing. Um, compared, they were compared to Bowie, which Nelson did not like. He didn't like to be compared to anybody. He wanted to be his own thing. So he was not happy about that. But it did have, you know, that whole Ziggy Stardust glam rock kind of thing going on. Um, and it's interesting that the first three albums that they made, I think they made a total of uh, five, four or five. Um, no, four. Uh, the first three albums are all named for guitars because the guitar was his main focus. He was obsessed with guitars and loved them. And so Axe Victim is the first one. Axe, obviously. Uh, next was um, uh, Futurama was the second, and that's a particular make of guitar. And then sunburn, sunburst, sunburst finish. finish is a style of finishing for the guitar. And nice. that, and the song that we're going to play is from Sunburst Finish, the third album. In the, um, and then their last album was Drastic Plastic. Um, that changed a lot. The, the sound from that one changed to more punk and new wave. Uh-huh. And, of course, <clears throat> still inspired by Bowie because they talk about his Berlin albums. Um, being a major influence as well. So it changed from glam rock to punk and new wave, just kind of when Bowie switched over as well. So it was. But no connection whatsoever. No connection because he doesn't like to be compared. Don't compare me to the guy that I'm really trying to be like. Yeah. So it's. I don't know if that's really the case. I don't think it is, but but think about how he's influenced by it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. And it comes to the music. Yeah, because Bowie's huge. So he's everywhere. And so it's not. Not hard if that's already the the kind of music that you like. You're going to be influenced, so it's not right. a bad thing at all. It's just it's like a Pink Floyd fan liking Airbag. Yeah. So basically, what happened is after Drastic Plastic, that was '78. He basically just stopped. He dissolved Bebop Deluxe and just said no, not again. And then he started up with Bill Nelson's Red Noise, which is his next incarnation. So, uh, so. But this was, of course, and that started in 79. But so just think about that whole era being very much a a time for him to kind of experiment with different sounds and different guitar sounds and um, kind of getting his footing in what he wanted to do in the world, I would say. All right. So Bebop Deluxe, a short time in history, but um, we'll see what it has. Yeah. Go play for us. We're going to play a track called Sleep That Burns. This was the track that caught my attention the most on the album, which, again, doesn't mean that 
it's going to be the same for you. But I, I found this uh, uh, Sunburst Finish album to be uh, a fairly um, catchy, catchy in my terms album. And so, you know, check it out and see what you think. This will be another nice long set of 76 music. And here's Bebop Deluxe Sleep That Burns. <laughs>
pu tellement parler J'ai du mal à me regarder Le miroir me laisse tomber Et pourtant d'autres choses qu'un café Pour m'aider à voir cheveux noirs sur de l'eau Pour blanchir mon cerveau L'appareil est branché dans le dos Brûle dans ma peau S'il fallait que tu te réveilles Ça ferait de tout et puis le soleil À me regarder déjeuner Sans devenir étranger Tu peux si c'est très tout C'est comme si je perdais le contrôle Que si j'ai laissé les épaules Que si qui fait chanter
escalier Et même si l'horloge m'a sonné Pour mieux se faire voir être sombre Pour une heure, je voudrais m'entendre le cœur Le sommeil est douce et silence Je suis seul quand je pense S'il fallait que je me réveille Comme Alice dans ses merveilles A fixer mes céréales
Well, not necessarily Prague. Um, UFO closing out our second set of 76 music. Uh, that was I'm a Loser. Um, we started our set with Coliseum. No, we started our set with Bebop Deluxe and Sleep That Burns. And you could hear the Bowie, the Bowie influence there, mm-hmm. most definitely. Follow that up with Coliseum 2. Now, we've played Coliseum before. It's been a while back. Um, definitely one that caught my attention before and they catch my attention again. And here's the primary reason they're catching my attention. Not only was that a great song, I really enjoyed it, but recognize that Don Airy was on keyboards and uh, Gary Moore was on guitar. Gary Moore, who went on to become like this really amazing virtuoso guitarist. And uh, of course it's jazz fusiony, and it, it's got, um, a lot of nods towards uh, early fusion work, Miles Davis and that kind of thing, but still manages to pull in the 70s with kind of soulful lyrics kind of going on. Anyway, uh, that's Coliseum 2, and the name of the song was On Second Thoughts. Yeah, really, really worth checking out. Uh, (laughs) One of those bands that uh, really doesn't show up very often, but worth catching when you can. Follow that up with Cause. I think it's pronounced Cause. It's C-O-S. The name of the song was Boehm. I'd say Boheme, but it doesn't read as Boheme. It's B-O-E-H-M-E. 
And in this case, Cause is a Belgian progressive rock band uh, led by guitarist and flautist Daniel Schell. Uh, they had very few albums. They didn't last very long. What, maybe... Where is it? I was looking at discography. Oh, just two. Two albums. No, there it is. One, two, three, four, five albums from 74 to 83. Um, of course, this one is from 76's Viva Boma. And another nod to jazz and fusion there with pause. And we follow that up with Harmonium. And this comes from the album Laheptad. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And we heard Come On Foo. Come On Foo, yep. Come On Foo. Uh, so they are a band from Quebec in Montreal. And they, just like Bebop Deluxe, ran from 72 oh. to 78. So fairly short-lived thing. They were started by Serge Fiore, a vocalist and guitarist, and Michel Normandu, who is vocals and guitar as well. Uh, they met in 72 at a theater music meeting, whatever that means. And then uh, in 73, they met bassist Louis Valois, and that's, and they formed in, in at that point in November 73. So they performed, um, and they had already, by the end of the year, created some music and put it out um, on Airplay. So uh, Leptod is their third album and it is the songs on the album describe seven stages of consciousness in a person's daily life so Komon Fu is the first song uh, the last song is Komon Sage so it's it's basically the progression from uh, being a fool to being a sage or a wise person and that's the progression that, it, that it's describing so, so we, we started as idiots yes Excellent. Um, so, and they they also had a nice bunch of changes in, in um, people. Uh, added a whole bunch of people, and they only had three albums total. So they had Harmonium, which was their first album, and then, oh my, I'm not gonna uh, try the French, and this is gonna sure. be fun. Go for it. Si on avait besoin d'une cinquième saison. That, that, you're pretty good there. That's their second album, and then Leptod is their third. So, but they did have quite a few people join on this last album, and you can also they did become more um, uh, symphonic. They added in uh, musicians who were playing clarinet and and flute and and all of that as they went on in their albums. Thus, we so, played them on our Woodwind show. Harmonium correct. was one of our primaries on our Woodwind show. Yes. So they, they didn't start out. They started out fairly simple, but then they, they started adding on all of the symphonic stuff as they went on. So. There you go. There you go. And UFO, I'm a Loser, comes from the album No Heavy Petting, which came out in 1976. And I didn't really know UFO that well. Apparently, uh current member of the band is Vinnie Moore. So you have the guitarist virtuosos Gary Moore and Vinnie Moore. I, I was just seeing these two back-to-back, -back, uh, Gary Moore in Coliseum and, and Vinnie Moore in UFO. But Vinnie Moore was not on this album. Uh, this album was, in fact, Michael Schenker on guitar. Um, 
also known for being the guitarist for uh, Scorpions. So there you go. Rock royalty all throughout that set, even though we don't really know them that well anymore, like UFO and, and definitely Coliseum. And Harmonium, who knows where they went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cause as well. Well, so we've heard from things that maybe you didn't hear from in 76. Now we're going to move into some really more familiar territory just to round out our understanding of what 1976 was all about. And we're going to start it out with a Stephen Wilson remix. Because why why not not play the best one, the best version that you can? Now, I was, it is really hard to choose from Jethro Tull's Too Old to Rock and Roll, Too Young to Die. Um, I think, you know, even though it's the opening track, I think it's one of my favorite tracks on the album. Quiz Kid is the track we're going to open with here. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of this set. But this will be mostly more familiar music. Maybe not as familiar as their hits, but we're trying to play some of the best stuff off the albums from 1976 that we came across. So Jethro Tull's Too Old to Rock and Roll, Too Young to Die, Quiz Kid, Stephen Wilson Remix. Competition crazy though you wear the dancey's cap. Oh, in a fortnight in the beaver, light up for the big hands out. You'll never know unless you try what the winning's all about. Be a quiz kid. Hey, that's your tiny sky. 
sweet inspiration May your memory not be dull May you rise to dizzy success May your wits be quick and strong May you constantly amaze us May your answers not be wrong May your head be on your shoulders May your tongue be in your cheek Most of all we pray that you may Come back next week Oh, be a quiz kid
Maybe the best song ever about drug tourism. <laughs> that is Passage to Bangkok from 2112. And uh, Rush, certainly 2112, was one of the best of 76. Um, the, the overture, the entire suite 2112 was probably a better representation of that album. But since I don't want to overcrowd this 76 set with that, and I know I have more Rush coming up, I'm going to let that one be. But, uh, yeah, they used kind of fake names for the stuff that, that they were touring to smoke. But basically, it was drug tourism. It was tourism for uh, pot in uh, Bangkok. Um, so, yeah, I was looking at the names and uh, they changed just several names of the, the different categories or types of stuff they were smoking. Anyway, uh, that set started with Jeff Tolls Quiz Kid, the Stephen Wilson remix from Too Old to Rock and Roll, Too Young to Die. Styx did this old man. Once again, this is from Crystal Ball. I highly recommend you take a look at it if you're a Styx fan and you haven't for some reason, like myself. That was stupid. That was crazy. I'm hooked on the album now. Not everything on there is great, but the things that are great make it really worth it to listen to that album. Steely Dan 
from the Royal Scam. That's Don't Take Me Alive. So many great hits off that. There was, of course, Kid Charlemagne and several other great songs that I can't really think of right now while I'm speaking to you. Of course. Uh, Sign In Stranger, uh, Fez. Lots of good stuff there. And once again, Rush with Passage to Bangkok. 76 was big. It was big. Just like, and I look at 86 and I'm like, oh, it, it doesn't make any sense why I'd even do a show on 86. So 86 will be just a very small smattering, but still. So we talked about the Bebop Deluxe Band kind of taking their cues possibly from David Bowie. Well, David Bowie had now Mountain 76 also, and that was Station to Station. Maybe not considered by everyone to be a progressive rock album, but I would say that a lot of what Bowie does is progressive, even if it's more glam, because the glam itself is progressive glam. That's what I'm saying. So, wanting to represent that album, Station to Station, I just chose Stay, which is a great song from that album. So many great songs. You gotta check that one out. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't help it. I, I heard myself saying all these superlatives, and I couldn't stop myself. Tremendous. Tremendous. Here's David Bowie with Stay off Station to Station.
much. Woo. We'd like to do something for you right now that's on Caressive Steel. This is a song that Neil wrote the lyrics for about a place not too far from where he was born. Not too far from here, as a matter of fact. It's called Lakeside Park.
know, it's sad. I, I will bet that there's a lot of good live albums from 1976, and that was the only one I chose, All the World's a Stage from Rush. Uh, that's Lakeside Park. We started our set there a long time ago with David Bowie's Stay from Station to Station. Campbell did Lunar Sea from Moon Madness. Genesis did Entangled, which came from Trick of the Tail. They actually put out two albums in 1976. More to come on that. Kansas, Miracles Out of Nowhere from the album Left Overture. It was really hard to decide what I thought was the best album of 1976, but it comes between Kansas and Genesis. Rush, once again, with Lakeside Park there. Now, we don't really play Camel a lot, and I don't know if we need to rectify that or not, but Susie's going to tell us a little bit about Camel and the album Moon Madness. So, Camel started in 1971, <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't, they weren't called Camel at that point. They called they themselves called The Brew. The Brew. The Brew. Uh, and it was Andy, a- Andrew Latimer, Andy Ward, and Doug Ferguson was starting it. Uh, they didn't become Camel until... Um, well, it was still 71, but it was much later in the year. They, they began on in February, um, and then in October of that year, they changed their name to Camel. And their first gig as Camel was at Waltham Forest Technical College supporting Wishbone Ash. Ah, well, that, that makes sense. So Good combination. Their first album, Camel, was not a success, and they actually switched over to DECA, Records. They were on MCA. They switched over to Deck after that. So it was not. Um, they didn't really get. Um, Mirage was their second album, and got a lot of good word of mouth and some good critical acclaim. But really, it was Snow Goose that um, was done in '75 that really got them talked about, especially in the U.S. Okay. Moon Madness is their fourth album. That's the one that was made in '76. Um, and continued on with their kind of pushing them up the charts and getting them renowned. That was also um, the last of the original lineup. After that, um, Ferguson, the bassist, left because he didn't like the direction the band was going in, and he was replaced by Richard Sinclair. Okay. But Moon Madness is their um, their fourth album. And they did add in flute and saxophone to that album to add some more um, instrumental symphonic, I guess, supported by their, their previous all-instrumental album. They kind of began to make a more concerted effort to do that. Um, and I'm trying. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just reading really quickly. Uh, it has an overall... Theme, um, but not. It's not a, a concept. But album. it's not a concept album. There's no story to it or anything. Like that. Yeah. Whereas their previous one, um, Snow Goose, Snow was Goose. actually based on songs, but stories from a, from an author. This just had kind of a theme to it, but not anything specific. Um, so. It did quite well. It was voted number 58 in the top 100 prog albums of all time by Prog Magazine in 2014. And for um, 
Hue and Mojo um, came in number 23 in its list of 40 Cosmic Rock albums. All kind right. of a, I guess kind of drawing a line to Pink Floyd. A little bit, maybe. I, I can see... You know, I hadn't really paid attention to Camel that much, and Moon Madness was an interesting trip into their their sound. Um, they do some weird stuff that kind of turns me off, but this was rated as one of their highest, like one of their highest rated albums, and it was on Prague Archives. It was rated as the most important album of 1976. It was the the best of 76 number one spot. So. Yeah, let, let us know what you think about Camel. We don't play them very often. And, uh, oh, and I should say that they are still working today. Yes. They are still making music. They're still touring. Um, current members are Andrew Latimer, yeah. Colin Bass, Dennis Clement, and Pete Jones. Okay. So Andrew Latimer looks like the only one of the original folks. Yeah, nothing new for a little while. They, they did uh, remaster or redo. Snow Goose, I think. Yes. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. They did a, a kind of a, a remaster. They redid, basically. I mean, it wasn't even a remaster. They, they redid it, right? They. Yeah, where was that? It was, sorry, there was a comment. Sorry. This Dead Air is brought to you by. I know. <laughs> oh, it was 2013. They re-recorded it. Yeah, I thought it, it was a little little while yes. back. In 2013, they re-recorded it. Yeah. And then released it as a tribute to the original. Yeah. So. And it's it's nearly note perfect. I mean, it's um, it's just clearer and has a little better setup kind of thing. But. So anyway, I was going to say that their website. Website. Sorry about that. It's camelproductions.com. There you go. So you're listening to us, and we really appreciate you listening to us. But we want you to know that we are now at a higher bit rate. For those people who have the the bit rate stored in their old listening device, listening program, whatever it might be, you might want to go and update by going to the progrock.com website because we now run at 192 kilobytes. Instead of our traditional 128. 128. Um, so, hey, more bit rate. Yeah, Woo-hoo! so uh, exciting stuff. And uh, if you're listening to us in the old stream, you really want to update that because uh, you will get the music in higher quality. Basically, I think all you need to do is just come to the website. Yeah, uh, just up, re- reset the... I mean, yeah, reset. Yeah, come to the website. Come to the website and you can reset. I'm not technically minded. <laughs> Click a button, do a thing. But yeah, but you do have to come to the website. Yes. But uh, yeah, let us know if you do that. Uh, we'd like to see everybody switch over to our 192 KB stream. Uh, eventually, we will oust the other one. But for now, we're broadcasting on both streams so that everybody can be caught. And please come and join us when you get the chance to do so. So like I said, Genesis, two albums in 1976, and it's really hard for me to decide which one's the best one. It was Trick of the Tail and Wind in the Ruthering. But for my personal taste, it's going to be Wind in the Ruthering that was the best. Um, I just connect with more of the songs on there. And I don't know, they're both 
they're two sides of the same album. They're both very good albums. It's really hard to say one is better than the other. But maybe just for this song, um, you know, typical Genesis parable in song kind of thing. Uh, maybe just for this song, uh, I give Wind and the Ruthering uh, a one-up from it. So this is One for the Vine from Genesis. Listen close. You might hear something important. I don't know.
by the last breath of the four winds that blow I'll have revenge upon Fortunato smile in his face I'll say come let us go I've a cask of Amontillado sheltered inside from the cold of the snow follow me now to the vault down below drinking the wine as we laugh at the time which is passing incredibly slow
How many of you guys remember the first time you heard that album? The Alan Parsons Project with Tales of Mystery and Imagination. Every song on there gave me the chills, except for maybe Telltale Heart, which I didn't really care for the Arthur Brown screaming bit. But it was just, I was a huge Poe fan, and then I discovered this album, and just, I was so excited. So, it was hard to do 76 and leave that one. It was impossible to do 76 and leave that one out. Even though many people may not consider it to be one of the most progressive albums, to me, it's one of the most important albums of 76. So, we started that set with Genesis, One for the Vine. That's from Wind and the Ruthering. I deem it to be my favorite album, 1976, Wind in the Weathering. Um, although Trick of the Tale is a close second, followed by Kansas and then Alan Parsons. That's just me. Okay. <laughs> um, Return to Forever. I had no idea what a stellar lineup of musicians this band had. So listen closely. Alda Miola, Chick Corea, <laughs> Stanley Clark, and Lenny White. That's just huge. That is who uh, Return to Forever is, and that funky piece was Sorceress, another one of 1976's grand pieces of keyboard and musicianship wizardry. Uh, had to get some jazz fusion in there because I didn't have a lot mixed in there, and there was a lot of jazz fusion that came out in 1976. Also followed that up with the very first outing for Brand X. That is indeed Phil Collins on drums. And we heard Smacks of Euphoric histor Hysteria. Uh, it's a perfect blend in there from Return to Forever. And then once again, Alan Parsons Project, Cask of Amontillado. Well, that is it for 76. Even though we could go on, we could do whole say, shows. I mean, probably people more. did whole shows in 76 on 76. With, you know, some callbacks to the past, but. If you were doing like a new music show in 76, you would have heard that stuff, perhaps, you know, if, if prog had been a thing. I don't know if progressive rock was announced as a thing at that time or if it's something we reified and said, oh, it's existed all along. Really but now started, we're giving it a yeah, name. I, I think so, yeah. Because I think you would have heard King Crimson played right alongside uh, a lot of other stuff in the late 60s if you're listening to radio. But I don't know. I wasn't there. Or if I was there, I certainly wasn't paying attention to the radio. I had my pacifier. I liked it. Anyway, <laughs> we're moving on to 1986. Crazy as it may seem, we'll go 10 years forward to see what 1986 offered the world of Prague. And when I compare it to 1976, it ain't much. But we're still going to let you hear what we found as... Maybe the best of 1986. In 86, I was graduating. Well, I was supposed to graduate high school in 86. I actually graduated in 87 because I was a little slow on the draw. But uh, 86, I can't remember a lot of things that were going on in 86. I know, wasn't the year of the Challenger? Uh-huh. Yeah. See, the Challenger exploded. Um, who was in office? Was it Reagan? Mm, it was Reagan. Reagan, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Let's go look it up. So, very different time than 76, obviously. Um, but uh, here we're going to start with uh, Palace. Now, Palace, I think this might have been their first album. But uh, they really hadn't kind of come into their own yet. Um, the album is called The Wedge. And it's it's not bad. It's I wouldn't put it in my top of, of 86, but 
I mean, they get much better as, as future goes on. They, you know, they graduate from this style of music. But uh, for now, this is Rat Racing by Palace, and we'll maybe tell you more about 1986 when we come back here. Rat Racing.
All right, that that was that was my '86. My '86 was spent listening to Queensrÿche and Iron Maiden, and very little of the prog stuff that uh, I listen to now. We opened that set with Palace and Rat Racing that came from the Wedge. Followed it up with Queensrÿche, Screaming in Digital. Rage for Order was probably my album of the year for '86. It's uh, probably not the most progressive thing I was listening to, but it was definitely the thing I was listening to the most. If that makes sense. Uh, Rage for Order was probably, in my mind, it was probably the best Queensrÿche album. Although, of course, Operation Mindcrime gets a lot of gets a lot of credit. After that, Iron Maiden, the loneliness loneliness of the long distance runner from somewhere in time. I was just discovering Maiden in '86. I might have discovered them in '85. Um, certainly, I had uh, heard all the negative things about uh, Number of the Beast and that kind of thing, but. I was still finding it very enjoyable to hear this stuff on our local classic rock radio station. And I'm still very excited about Maiden. Maiden is coming to town. They're coming like uh, in summer. They're coming just about two hours north of us. I think I'm going to have to see them. I've only seen them maybe once or twice. So anyway, um, Susie will come back with news about 86 in a moment. But in the meantime, I'll tell you about the next set. Prague had basically gone pop in 1986. We'd already seen it start back maybe in 82, 81. Um, 82 when Asia came out, and that sort of set the standard. And of course, 90125 also sort of set the standard for the future. Everybody in the Prague world was kind of jumping on the pop wagon. And so pop, Prague pop kind of surfaced in the 80s, and 86 is a good example of it. Genesis recorded Invisible Touch, and of course, that is probably one of the most pop albums that Genesis ever did. Um, but even Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, which which came became Emerson, Lake, and Powell, kind of went poppy with, um, uh, now I forget their main hit off that album. That's pretty bad, because I'm not going to play that hit off the album. I'm going to play uh, the score instead. But anyway... Um, so a lot of things were happening in the 80s that sort of set music in a different direction. Uh, New Wave was having its way with progressive rock music for the most part. But here's kind of a the best amalgam probably of Prague and that pop scene that I heard, and that is Emerson, Lake, and Powell, the score. I don't know what Palmer was doing at that time. I guess I'll have to do some research and find out what where'd Palmer go from Emerson, Lake, and Powell. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and you know, where'd he go? I'll, I'll check it out, let you know on the other end. Uh, enjoy.
The Other Side of Life, the title track to the Moody Blues album from 1986, The Other Side of Life. That's why I call it the title track. We started that set with the score from Emerson, Lake, and Powell. Is that correct? I'm thinking that's correct. So I was interested in finding out why it wasn't Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And basically what I'm reading here is that Greg Lake and Keith Emerson didn't really want to make an ELP album. But they had been working with Cozy Powell quite a lot, and they decided they wanted to put an album together. So Palmer wasn't even really considered, consulted. And according to the interview, they weren't really in any hurry to deal with Palmer at the time. I'm not really sure what it was. But basically... Greg Lake was talking about it, and he said, you know, Carl's a great guy, but we just didn't think that it was a possibility right now or for the future is what he said. I'm like, well, okay. It wasn't that long before they reunited after that. Uh, I guess with rock bands, you know, you never know exactly what's going to be true and what's not going to be true. In the moment, it's true. We're not going to... This is our last album ever. This is our last... You hear that all the time. You hear that kind of stuff, but in the moment, it's true, but in the future, you never know. So we're always like hoping, like Pink Floyd, they're going to get it back together? Of course they are. Of course they are. Uh, so, and, and Pink Floyd has nothing to do with that, except I was just trying to make an example. You might have missed it. After that was Genesis from Invis Invisible Touch, Tonight, 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 originally titled the Monkey Zulu song. In fact, it was framed around the word monkey. <laughs> Wherever the rest of it came from was something of, of Phil and, and uh, Mike's choosing their own little fever dream kind of thing. Followed that up with Andreas Wollenwater and Steam Force. This comes from the 1986 album Down to the Moon. Wollenwater uh, was one of my favorite discoveries when I discovered White Winds. And he is a harpist from Sweden. He does an amazing show. And I was reading about the, the shows that he did. I, I did see the Down to the Moon tour. And I remember this very well. He shows up in this white, like, gown-like thing. He's very John Anderson-esque in that way. He's, like, all ethereal. And um, and then he puts on this amazing show. And he, he told us in the show that he made some of his instruments from uh, the, um, the shells and unused pieces of guns because they had gotten rid of their army, he said. So he took the, the pieces of guns and made them into instruments pieces of uh, ammunition, etc. Um, that was pretty exciting. Uh, it was a very amazing concert. After that was John Luke Ponty, and I will apologize in advance for this. I, I don't know how it got there. <laughs> it's not from 1986. Uh, the track in question that we heard was Computer Incantations for World Peace, and it comes from an anthology called Le Voyage. Now, originally, I was going to have... Jean-Luc Ponty put in place in the 76 area because that was when Imaginary Voyage came out, which was one of the bigger uh, jazz fusions of 1976. But unfortunately, this thing showed up, and so you got a taste of Jean-Luc Ponty from neither 76 nor 86. And then finally, Moody Blues with The Other Side of Life. That's Patrick Mraz on keyboards. Uh, that is his third outing on keyboards, I believe, for the Moody Blues and uh, certainly took them in a new direction while trying to keep the old sound together as best they could. And also, this album is one that Ray Thomas 
didn't really feature on very much at all. Or actually, maybe he was out of the band at that point. I, I need to do more looking up for that. I, I don't remember, but I know that the band was sort of streamlining because when the Moody Blues started, they had a huge group of people. And then as you go further down, they start to streamline and, and drop people along the way. So there you go. That's uh, another set of 1986 music. Now, Susie has taken the escape pod. So if we're going to hear anything about the 80s, I'm going to have to run over her computer. And I'll do that on the next turnaround. One of the biggest bands uh, for me in, in, the 80, in 1986 um, was not considered progressive at all. However, when I was asked what kind of music I listened to, I remember this very clearly. I was, I was going to um, a job of some sort and someone asked me, what kind of music do you listen to? And I said progressive, not knowing what that even meant. And I meant Journey, and I gave the example of Journey. And um, I was particularly talking about Frontiers at the time. But if we look at 86, that's when Raised on Radio came out, and Girl Can't Help It was on my, my what do they call those things? Walkman. <laughs> Journey was on my Walkman quite a lot that year. So here's Journey and Girl Can't Help It, probably the biggest hit, well, one of the biggest hits from Raised on Radio.
Other dreams all made soft Other dreams made real All of the buildings All of the cars Were once just a dream In somebody's head She pictures the broken glass Pictures the steam She pictures the soul
You see, there was good music in 1986, but there wasn't a lot of it. That's that's really what it comes down to. It wasn't as, at least for prog fans, it wasn't as prolific as, say, something like 1976. Nevertheless, that set started with Journey and Girl Can't Help It from Raised on Radio. Talk, talk after that, Living in Another World. I was a little surprised by this one. Um, the keyboardist for that is Steve Winwood. Just that was a surprise for me. He did the organ on uh, on several tracks on the album, um, and certainly Talk Talk. Whether they're prog or not is something to be argued, but they are a fantastic band. After that, more of the same with GTR. That is Hackett and How doing their thing together um, with. Uh, uh, Max Bacon on vocals. I was about to say Kevin Bacon on vocals, but he didn't go that far. No, Max Bacon was on vocals, and of course, the one we know the most is um, When the Heart Rules the Mind. But that's The Hunter, which was also kind of a, a hit off the album. All that up with Queen, Who Wants to Live Forever. Lyrics written by Brian May, and certainly one of the pinnacle moments of the Highlander movie. Followed that up with Metallica, Welcome Home Sanitarium. Now, I didn't know Metallica in 86. And in 86, I might have been more likely to say that that was not the kind of music I would listen to. Strangely enough, right? Because I, I really liked Queen's Reich and Iron Maiden. But for whatever reason, Metallica didn't touch me. But now I'm really excited about Metallica. And Welcome Home Sanitarium is about Ken Kesey's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. True story. Uh, after that, Peter Gabriel with Mercy Street, possibly one of the most popular albums of 1986 was Peter Gabriel's So. And Mercy Street. Well, I had it up here a moment ago. Let me see if I can find, find the information about it here. Emma. Yeah, Mercy Street was um, inspired by American poet Anne Sexton who wrote a play titled Mercy Street and a poem titled 45 Mercy Street. It was also listed as one of the most sad songs of all time. I never really got it as sad. It was very melancholy, but it didn't, it didn't do the same thing to me that really, really sad music does to me. I don't know. Mike and the Mechanics after that call to arms from the Mike and the Mechanics album. This one might be a misnomer. Some things I read said it came out in 1985. Some things I read said it came out in 1986. So I may have misplayed it. It may have, it may belong in 1985. Nevertheless, A Call to Arms was originally, um, to be on a Genesis album, but the band said, no, we don't really think this fits our style. And Mike talked with Bill and Tony and they decided, yeah, okay, you can put it on the Mike and Mechanics album. So there you go. 1986 in a very small nutshell and 76 before that. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this extended episode of Soundscape. I was going to play a lot of new stuff, but we've really run past our time here. We've done five hours of music, which normally we do a lot less. Um, once again, if you are listening on the stream and you're listening with an old, like you, you clicked on it a long time ago and it's just kind of populated into your player, we have changed our stream. We are still broadcasting on the stream that you're listening to, but we are also now on a... 192 kilobyte stream that you need to pick up because eventually that that older stream is going to go away. We're streaming both ways right now, but just 
make sure you go back to the website and pick up the stream again so you can continue to listen to us and listen to our great DJs here at progrock.com. Okay, so as I said originally, the plan was 76, 86, 96, 2006. Next show will definitely be 96 and possibly 2006, depending on how crowded 96 becomes. Because I'm going to try to do these years some kind of justice because I don't do these sort of history episodes very often. So we're leading up to the best of 2016 show or the 2016 special show, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's also given me a lot of time to check out things that I missed from 2016 so that I can choose the best things to play for you guys. So looking forward to that in a few weeks. But for now, we're, we're looking at 96 and 2006. Um, in two to four weeks from now. We may not be here in two weeks, but we will find an alternative way to get to you. Um, we'll probably do a archive show or something. Okay, so I've got one more to play for you, and this the one does come from 2017, actually. Um, yeah, 76, 86, 2017. Makes no sense whatsoever. It doesn't have to. Um, you know you want to listen to this one. Tim Boness's newest album is titled... Lost in the Ghost Light. And the one that people have said reminds them a lot of Pink Floyd, although I think a lot of the album might remind you of Pink Floyd. Uh, but the one that's, that I've heard a lot of talk about was Moonshot Manchild. So I'm going to play that one for you here. And that's going to be our ending song for this week's edition of Soundscape. So stick around. If you stick around for approximately three hours, <laughs> then you'll get to hear music and widescreen from. Uh, Mark and Reina, and I'm sure they will feature something amazing today. So have a great time. Uh, enjoy your day, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks so much for listening to Soundscape. Bye. You
Shut man, child. 